0: but I guess I don't really know Quincy and Whitney. I guess I really don't know you well. I know Alex too well, um, which is unfortunate. Yes. it's, um,
1: it's, it's, it's actually a problem on the weekends.
0: It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, my wife has mentioned it once or twice, Alex. Um,
1: <laughs> it's all the coffee I keep sending you.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, you're not the only one that sent me coffee. My wife's just like, why, like what is happening? Like what, what is our life that just coffee shows up at our door? It <laughs> um, But um, I mean, Quincy and Whitney, can you guys just kind of catch me up a little bit, tell me what's going on, like what is your insurance story, so to speak?
2: But no, and again, I don't know how far to go back um, in saying that, but you know, in in my current place in space, like I said again, I've been an independent insurance agent now, oh gosh, going on 18, 18, 19 years now. So um, like I tell people all the time, this is all I know, this is all I've known, and so this is what I'm going to do you know, in the same place and space, I am the current outgoing chair of NIA, which is the National African American Insurance Association. So I spent the last two years being the chair of that organization. Um, so it's given me a, a very good re- perspective, you know, around, you know, the, the DNI DNI conversation uh, on top of my own personal experiences as well. So um, along with that, you know, I was the chair of the um, Big Eyes Young Agents Committee some odd year, but maybe five years ago now, somewhere up in there. So, you know, spent some time there as well. So as I say again, between the independent insurance agency space, this is my life now and and, and giving back to it and, and obviously having the conversations around these to make sure that just being very candid. Um, my goal is to make sure that I'm not the only one in the room when I go to, you know, a particular place in space. Yeah, uh, for
0: sure. Um, Whitney, so what's happening? Like, tell me what's going on with you. I, I kind of want to follow b- up uh, with you guys both on, on, on each of your stories, but we'll kind of just set the, set the tone here to start.
3: So I have worked with uh, the Big Eye, independent insurance agents and brokers, for going on five years now. My first assignment or my first side project was to help out with the diversity task force. And uh, fortunately, I have a lot of background experience in the diversity and inclusion space starting in high school. And having attended um, a high school where I was one of very few African-American students, we were able to start a black student association there, got African-American lit, started within our high school. Then in college, I was able to help in recruiting more African-Americans and minorities to attend the University of Michigan, go blue. Then after that, um, I've just been able to help in various community initiatives to get uh, people of color and just different types of people onto uh to be able to work in different initiatives. Um, I worked in Central Florida and helped out with something called the Venues Project, which was the Orlando Magic Arena and the uh, Performing Arts Center and just different places over in that area where they were expanding and and making things absolutely beautiful, but they were essentially um, creating spaces where it was for the wealthy. So helping people that were um, of lower incomes be able to participate and have a piece of the pie for lack of better words. So then in working with the Big I, a lot of the community organization type of work that I've done in the past, I was able to bring over to the Big I. And essentially when we first started on the diversity and inclusion initiatives, we started more so on the national level and having fabulous presentations brought to our legislative conference and to our fall leadership conference. However, it didn't necessarily trickle down to our state associations. So one of the first initiatives I was able to work on with the um, Big Eye Diversity Task Force is how do we engage our state associations? And one of the main things uh, when you think about diversity, when you think about anything that someone hasn't done before, is to find out where their strengths already lie. So when we went and started connecting with our different state associations, we helped them to see some of the areas in which they were working on as it pertained to diversity that they had absolutely no idea that they were doing something um, that essentially embraced a culture of diversity and inclusion. So it's been pretty fun, and I'm glad that I have uh, Alex on the journey, Quincy on the journey, and all the different other individuals that we have as far as independent agents that are working to help and and making that more of a a thing across the country as it pertains to our association.
0: I... I'm going to toss this. This might be a bit of a hand grenade, but it came to me as you were talking, Whitney. And anybody can feel free to jump in on this. And Alex, people know who you are, so we don't need to introduce <laughs> you, I don't think. We can do it can we say that Alex is the chair uh,
3: for the Diversity Task Force and prior president for the Latin American Insurance... No, excuse me. Latin... Age.
1: No, I'm going to butcher it. Quincy
3: Alex. <laughs> Latin American...
1: The seven, Latin nine. American Association of Insurance <laughs> Agencies
2: that's
0: a that's that's ridiculously way too long of a name you guys gotta think about Um, all right so hand grenade incoming the question is if you had to assign a percentage meter to like how far we are in your opinion as to again quincy to your point of you don't want to be the only person in the room like you and and whitney the everything you said like what like how far are we right are we referencing
3: the industry as far as the insurance industry as a whole
0: yeah. I mean, just in general, your perspective, your thought from whatever angle, corner you think, like from what you've seen, from where you started to where we are today, how far have we filled that that progress meter?
1: So I, I don't know if we want to actually answer the question, only because it's so hard to actually answer the question. It, it, not far <laughs> enough is an easy answer to the question. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, if you take the big eye, for instance, um, uh, you know, you would have, a very low percentage, uh, you know, less than 10 percent. Um, if you take, you say, agencies in South Florida, for instance, you would see agency ownership um, amongst diverse communities, you know, uh, much higher than it might be in, say, Northern Florida. So, Florida as a whole might be a little bit more than it is, um, say, you know, some other states that, that have it less. Uh, Mark Mail, who's who's uh, who sits on the task force and, and represents the state executives, um, he's from Rhode Island, right, Whitney? Yes. Right. A very small state, uh, you know. And according to him, other than than a very healthy Brazilian population, um, he's said there is no other diversity in, it, in you know in his state, or, or there is very little representation of diversity uh, within his state. Um, so it's harder for for the agency, you know, owner force. Or workforce uh, to to mirror you know anything more than that. So the question, you know, is um, you know is that true, right? Are those perceptions reality? And that's the question that's really hard to understand because some of the some of the time, most of the time, nobody wants to ask that question. Nobody wants to stand up and say, okay, all right, who identifies as African American? You know, you know LGBTQ or um, you know, Asian-American or Asian, um, you know, Hispanic-American, you know, who's from here, who's not from here, third generation, second generation. It really ends up depending on what your definition of diversity ends up being.
3: And I think the other piece is it boils down to in generations past, we kind of band-aided the problem to some degree and that we made it sure that we fulfilled a quota. And we needed to have, you know, a person of color on this project or we needed to make sure we did some recruitment here and there for people of color, which was great. However, we're in a spot right now where we're saying, okay, that's, we're not gonna just fulfill a quota. We need to do some actual change in the actual culture. How do we change, do a shift in culture so that it's not per se a need to fulfill a quota. It's more so having more more than enough people to choose from. So when you're fulfilling a quota, you're not necessarily uh, bringing about something that's going to, uh, go generation to generation. It's not going to um, continue to trickle down further and further. But when you change, do an actual cultural shift, that's when you're going to see more diverse representation across whatever um, industry you're looking at. So I think that's where we're at, not just in the insurance industry, but a lot of industries realizing, okay, we can't just make them have to fit what we want. We have to kind of start to fit their needs as well.
2: And I guess Joey, just to sort of piggyback on and jump on the grenade as well, I would say you know Whitney sort of definitely going down the rabbit hole that I I would I would go down as well, is that it's simply one of those things where, you know, this this particular climate and the business environment itself is changing, you know, dramatically, and as a business owner, you know, and I know Alice can say the same, you know, it it comes to a fact of how intentional do you want to be to ensure that you know your business is reflecting the people that you're serving. And so to answer your question, um, I think Alex hit the nail on the head. It's tough to answer your question in in totality. You know, I would have to divide that in in buckets to say, okay, as the association, what does that look like? You know, as the industry, what does that look like and so forth and so forth. But I'll say this from a standpoint of diversity, I think there are several pockets of of people in, in whether it's race, you know, color, you know, sexuality, whatever the case may be, that are out there. It's just a matter of now, how intentional do we want to be as a business? How intentional do we want to be as an association and an organization to go out and find those people and really give them a platform? You know, um, I, I was listening to a podcast and a and guy said something that was very profound to me and it has been sticking to me really when it comes around to diversity and inclusion. And the guy said, you know, it's, 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 a, it's something different to have a seat at the table as versus being have a voice at the table. And so I think we're at a point right now, and for me, especially on my, on my particular DNI and i soapbox, you know, it's one thing to have a seat at the table, but it's a whole other thing to have a voice at the table. And so that's really what I'm pushing for now is for, you know, those people that present that box of diversity and inclusion to have a voice at the table now.
0: Are we starting to hear it more, Quincy? Is that, is that starting to happen?
2: Um, I, in, in my personal perception, I think so. And I, and I don't, and, but, but here, here's the kicker though. Joy, I don't think it's because of the intentionality of certain organizations and associations and businesses being intentional, but seeking out, I just think right now, because of, you know, let's just call it what it is. Our env- environment, our climate and having social media and everything else has just given an easier voice for people to have. And, you know, like you say right now, you, you know, certain businesses, when certain things go out, man, in, in certain cases, you know, a tweet can either help your business or ruin your business. <laughs> and, and that's a very dangerous place to be in, you know, when you, when you think about it. Yeah. So I, I think when those, you know, demographics of people and those boxes of people understand that they have a voice and they can get that word out there, you know, it, it's, it's changing the landscape. And so now I think, again, as associations and as businesses, we just got to become more proactive.
0: What, 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 let me ask this, what isn't happening now that would kind of help ignite that, that proactive initiative, if you will, like, where, where, where are we falling down? Like, who, like, who is not communicating properly? What channels aren't open? Like, how can, how can the situation just kind of move along, I guess, in a way? I would say this
3: to some degree, it's being comfortable with the uncomfortable, because it's very, very easy. All of us, we we, want to stick to what we know, what we're comfortable with, but in order for us to move forward as an industry, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, you have to be okay with being around people that are not like you. Um, I I totally don't want to to coin um, Kelly McDonald's phrase, but how to market to people not like you, recognizing the importance of uh, and the value that those individuals bring to the table. And until you get uncomfortable, um, or I'm sorry, until you get comfortable with the uncomfortable, you'll never actually be comfortable with the uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. So I would say that's one of the things that um, being intentional about getting around uh, people that truly very much are not like you, especially when you're thinking about an association. When you think of an association, you're a club of sorts. So no different than when we were in high school and the lunch table. How many times did we actually go to a lunch table with people that were not like us? The same thing when it comes to what we're doing right now as an industry and, and most certainly as an association.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, th- that's part of, 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 I think, you know, it's both things I think that, that Whitney and Quincy were saying. It's, it's about being intentional, right? So, how, you know, as an industry, is anyone being, you know, overtly intentional? On the issue of diversity and inclusion, um, and and the conversations that it starts when you are overtly intentional are uncomfortable, um, but sometimes they have you know really uh, you know the desired result of the conversation ends up being that everyone feels like they're completely seen, right? So one of the one of the difficult parts about um, uh, one of the nuances, if I think of diversity and inclusion, is is that you know sometimes. Um, Kind of to what what Quincy was alluding, you know. it from my personal perspective, I don't think that there's a, a door that has ever, um, I feel, has ever been slammed in my face specifically because of who I am, where I'm from, or the accent I happen to speak with. Um, but at, at the same time, I know that a lot of that has been my own initiative of trying to get into doors, um, not necessarily an invitation to do so. Right. So the the question ends up being when I'm there am I being seen as a whole human being or am I being seen only as that part that's convenient to the folks that are there um you know and and, and so that 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 conversation is one that intentionally has to be had intentionally have to create an, an atmosphere where people can feel like they can walk in and and they can bring every you know every part of who they are uh obviously within you know a certain amount of reason, but the point every part of who they are into the room and into the conversation, and that no part of the conversation will be censored, changed, stopped, muted, or or uh, uh, just because you know they happen to uh, you know be from a certain place, be a certain age, uh, happen to love a certain person, so on and so forth.
0: You know, and and this you know when you had said, and I kind of want to jump in this this kind of uncomfortableness, right? Like I think. For, for, you know, to be honest, like, I'm not very comfortable, right? I don't know how to have this conversation, right? And I don't know if that's a fault on my, my end, like, just from where I come from, like, it's the sensitivity to the thing, right? And, and, but you don't want to, you don't want to boil it down to that being the only thing that, you know, is like what you're, what you're after. It's, it's so it's, 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 it's how do, I mean, because I think, I think this, do you guys view this as more of like a, a generation gap? I don't, I don't, I've, I've, I guess I've just, I've never, ever walked through my life and, and really necessarily, obviously never had to deal with it at at, at any level that is probably near what you guys have ever encountered. But um, to, to even say that, you know, just the mindsets of the people that, uh, again, that I, that I, you know that I run across in the industry, whether it's Alex or whether it's Quincy or, or you, whether it's you, Whitney. It's it's that mindset, and how do we how do we kind of allow those things to be kind of come front and center to the issues versus you know other things that maybe aren't as important.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Joy, I think um, this you know, Whitney and, and the Diversity Task Force, uh, Whitney, and, and help me out here. A couple a few years ago, you guys did a session. Uh, I think it was at that ledge, ledge conference, maybe um, that brought the actors in and, and they they depicted different scenes and in, in different, you know, um, scenarios um, and, and whatnot. And, and the impactful part for me, Joe, I want to and I think sort of speaks to what you're saying right now is I was with my contingency from Nevada. Um, and of course, I was the only African-American uh, and there was another um, white female. Um, but then. We broke into a little section and it, and the question sort of got around as to, you know, what makes you feel most uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. And so I just shared with them that, you know, the fact that when I walk into a room, I'm the only one like me in the room. And for all intents and purposes, you know, I, I've known these people for years now, you know, and, and befriended some of them, you know, and, and, and shared personal things with them. But I can tell the look on their face that they never thought that. They never considered that, like, oh, wow, when Quincy walks into a big eye room and realizes that he's one of three, you know, how does that make him feel? And I and I can tell that that was a real breakthrough for them, like, wow. So when we go back to our home association and when I go to our state conventions and when I walk into a room, I'm one of two, or in some cases, one of one. Um, um, you know, it, it's just it, it's a thing that, like, again, I, I, you know, they say you don't know what you don't know. So I think it goes back to Whitney's point, whereas, you know, you have to embrace what you don't know, but then first and foremost, and then secondly, you have to be intentional about saying, you know what, well, just because I don't know it doesn't mean I don't want to confront it, and it doesn't mean I don't want to embrace it. And so the fact that you're uncomfortable, but you're here, and that you're on the platform, you know, prayerfully, you know, you'll take something away from this, and then that this platform can be used to, you know, get somebody else to say, you know what, I'll take this one step further. But I also say this, though, and I want to just put this point in there, Joy, that your question previously, man, I think there's stigmatism on both sides, though, just to be very clear. And, and I'll say this just from the African-American standpoint, you know, whereas I'm pretty sure the big I, you know, and other organizations have a stigmatism about, you know, whether, you know, they're accepting or not accepting or promoting or not promoting, whatever the case may be. But I also have to say, and I, and and Whitney and Alex and, and I have all had this conversation, and, and probably more recently, Alex, you and I had it at at Laya's Conference, um, was around. We gotta take that own stigmatism down, and 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 put ourselves out there. Like so again, I applaud Whitney for all the work that she's done, you know, behind the scenes that probably none of us know about. That you know, when she walks into her place of employment. You know, and, and she's fighting those battles, Alex as well, on the diversity task force and going to those meetings and myself as well. But we got to show up. Like, so again, we can't challenge the status quo unless someone shows up to challenge the status quo. And so, you know, we we, we got to get out of our box and just say, OK, well, it's, you know, even for myself, it's comfortable for me to go to a NAYA conference. Alex, it's comfortable for you to go to a Lia conference. You know, but at the same time, I can't just say, oh, I'm only going to go to NAYA. I'm only going to go to Lia if I want to truly effect change, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, and Quincy, you bring up a really good point in that when we're looking at diversity and inclusion, oftentimes we very much point that towards the majority group, but it's very important that the minority group is also um, present and actively engaging in that. So as Quinty was talking about the National African American Insurance Association or the Latin American Insurance um, Association. Uh, Yeah, I'm totally butchering it again. Sorry. It's very important that those different groups also take the time out to invite people from our big eye state associations to come and be there and be present, because oftentimes it's assumed that they don't want to be there or they're not going to say yes, so let me not even take the time out to extend an invitation. So I think we on both sides have to be a little bit better about being proactive and welcoming each other and inviting each other and not assuming anything.
0: Well, Quincy and Alex, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but you guys were both at Elevate and you said like you would normally be picking yourselves out, like, but you guys didn't even know that you each other were at the event. Is that, is that right, Alex? Did you should tell me that story?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny because, because I started sal- telling an Elevate story and Quincy was like, Oh, I was there. <laughs> it's like how does a six foot black man and a six foot Cuban man be at the same space within, you know, a thousand feet of each other, still not see each other? Um, so I guess it can happen. Uh uh, but the but you know it, it it's funny it, what you know I complete I can't agree more with what Whitney says because I think we all bring our prejudices to the table. Um, you know, sometimes people are afraid of words like prejudice, bias. Um different, you know, and and the reality is, is that, you know, we ignore those words, those that's part of that uncomfortable conversation. Um, We we, um, really shouldn't be afraid of them, because we all have them, you know, we all have a certain idea of, um, you know, uh, of of what we expect, you know, an individual to be like, based on, you know, some stereotypes that we may have attached uh, to the way that they look, walk or talk um the question isn't whether or not those feelings are going to be there the question is is what do we do with them when we when we have them you know the how do we create an environment where we've gotten uncomfortable enough that we're all of a sudden comfortable enough to have a true conversation um and uh, and and i think you know I, and i agree and i think i said it to you joey i think that's why you remember the story was where i felt that it elevates uh, personally, that, that there was a lot of that. There, it, it didn't seem like there was. To me, um, uh, the eyes with which we were looking were kind of different. Um, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily looking at at folks as um, you know, white, black, you know, tall, short, whatever. We were just all insurance agents, all struggling, all trying to get better, and all trying to reach that goal all at one time. And, uh, and, and pretty much everything we did was w- revolved around that focus uh, versus
2: some others. Right. But Alex, I, I think to your point as well, is you know, and, and Joy and, and, and Ryan and the likes, you know, all you guys that, that put on Elevate, to me, it's the sense of the topic. I like, say, so again, we were all there because, hey, man, we're trying to learn and let's just put it out there. Social media, technology, all that stuff, That trans that transcends all of those different boxes that we're talking about, you know, that people put themselves in. You know, it doesn't. I don't care if you're a, a black female lesbian. You know, vegetarian. You still concerned about how your business is going to run in in the in, in the tech space. You know, so it doesn't matter. And and I can say this truly about Elevate as well. Even though I know I was one of, uh, I don't. You know, again, I don't know, but from what I saw, you know, I, I might have been one of few. But the few people that I did talk to and, and whatnot, I didn't walk in the room and feel like, oh, well, I'm only one of five in here, because like you said to your point, I, at that point. I I was there as a business owner trying to know how to make my business better.
3: So then I have a question. Sorry, Joey.
0: <laughs> oh, please. This is where we need to get to, Whitney. This is, this is what the first 26 minutes has been about is, is this. So go ahead. I'm Certainly.
3: So I guess my question uh, for you, Alex and Quincy, what was different about Elevate that truly allowed you to not per se feel when you first walk in the room that you were the minority and kind of have that uncomfortable ish kind of feeling, what was different? Cause I definitely have experienced that too, where there's sometimes where I forget. And then later on I'm like, Oh wow. I was like the only one there and I didn't even recognize I was the only one there. So what was different?
2: Honestly, Whitney, for me and, and Alice, I'm gonna jump in. And I mean, I'm just being very candid for whatever reason, timing, you know, God's timing allowed, I think I was coming down the elevator and I ran into Ryan Um, and I think I was going to the registration booth or whatever, you know, and I, and I know Ryan personally, and man, Ryan, you know, in, in, in his true Ryan fashion, Oh man, Quincy, what's going on? You know, good to see you, blah, 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 blah. Thank you for coming. Blah, blah, blah. And for whatever reason, after Ryan did that, you know, it was like, okay, whew. All right, let's, let's get to work now. So in, in, you know, even though conscious subconsciously, consciously, I knew I was one of few in the room. But at the same time, you know, it it just didn't, I don't want to say it didn't matter. It just wasn't as prevalent. Almost like you said again, like I was conscious, but it wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm gonna sit here like that. You know, like, I'm just be very careful. I'm not gonna sit here like the angry black man, because I'm the only one in the room.
3: Gotcha. So just the fact that someone right when you got there, immediately made contact, talked to you, built rapport, someone that you knew kind of helped out with that situation, that environment.
2: And, and, and again, and I, and I think I know Ryan well enough to where I know it wasn't fake. You know, well, at least, it, you know, and it, it felt genuine.
3: And it's interesting you should say that because I'm going to um, call out <laughs> an association. I remember going to the Alabama um, Young Agents event, and I was really nervous because that was my very first state association event. And I don't I've only been in Alabama maybe once in my life, and it was kind of in passing. And I got there and it was one of the most welcoming, I would so go back there. And oftentimes, there's some negative connotation sometimes uh, thought of in the South, particularly with certain states. And it was so far from what I expected. And yes, I probably if there was another black, there may have been one other black person amongst about four or 500 people. But I felt so comfortable because right when I got there, there were multiple people that made sure that they came spoke to me talked to me knew that i was new and that totally does kind of make things a little bit different so yeah
2: well and again if if it helps for the conversation purposes you know while i was chair of the young agents association um, for the big i i got the opportunity to go to helena montana to speak (laughs) at their conference um so you can you can only imagine you can google where it's at um and, and google probably the population and whitney to your point exactly but from that meeting i met two or three young agents that I still keep in contact to this day, literally. And, and one probably comes to Vegas once a year with his family and we connect and we always, you know, chat it up and and whatnot. So I I, I think, but again, Joey, that goes back in my humble opinion, that goes back to, you know, those people. And like we talked about before, understanding and recognizing that, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but if I'm just being me, and I'm just going to embrace you, whether you're white, black, yellow, blue, gay, straight, you know, whatever the case may be, Democrat, Republican, whatever, whatever you are, you know. But if I'm just going to embrace you as the person, I think what what I hear Whitney saying and what I'm saying, and I know I don't know, I'm pretty sure Alex may feel the same. Man, you you just want to be accepted for who you are. <laughs> and once you do that, then, OK, at that point, like I say again, I was just an insurance. I was an insurance agency owner trying to get information to help me bring back to Vegas to make my agencies better.
0: I'll be honest. I've had one prejudice this whole time. And that's the fact that when said she went to Michigan, I've been really trying to push that back.
1: Um, <laughs> I was hoping it wouldn't come up. <laughs> uh, but, you well, know.
0: she's, uh, you know, Alexander, I'm I'm sorry, when Ohio state, I'm sorry. It's all right. But uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, anyways, no, but I mean, so, but, in, but in all seriousness, though, so like, I think some of that stuff, uh, uh, you know, coming to the sports things, like some of those things are just kind of, built into us, like to like look at people, some of them ingest, and some of them, you know, just kind of, like you said, through culture and whatever. But, um, I think at least from my perspective, it, it is that it's like, well, what do we, you know, of course you are, you know, you are that, you know, that person, as you described Quincy, that agency owner that just wants to improve his business. And, and, and maybe are we just not, maybe we're just not thinking like, oh, wait, we should probably just maybe, you know, like you mentioned with Ryan, just make sure that that's like hey dude like this is like awesome let's go do this thing is that maybe something that might be lacking just a little bit i,
1: I think if, if i may um i think what 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 it is is because on one-on-one basis it's it, or, or in a smaller group uh, that that's kind of an easier thing to accomplish so how do you accomplish that from a perspective of uh, say an industry you know perception or an industry brand um, you know, how, how is it that you, you change the, the perception of the culture so that folks don't immediately just want to make the assumption, as, as Whitney was saying, because she's right. You know, you, 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 it could easily be, you know, thought that, well, hey, if we invite so-and-so, they, they're just going to say no and we don't want to hear no, so why, why invite them or so on and so forth. So why, so why, why, how do we, as a group, as, a, as an industry, create a culture that, that that's not the, you know, the immediate thought? Um, you know that the thought is more along the lines of, "Hey, insurance is for everybody." So you know when I'm hey, when I'm asked about why I um, why do I why do I get involved with, with diversity and inclusion, um, it, it's because I think really that there is no better industry for anybody than the insurance industry. The, the insurance industry may not wear a badge of uh, inclusivity per se, it may not have that as a, uh, um, you know, one of the first thoughts that goes into people's minds. Um, But there are few uh, industries that it currently exists that people from any background can get into the industry, can grow up the ranks of the industry, can become heads of companies, can become vice presidents, senior vice presidents, can become, you know, uh, sales leaders, can become business owners, um, you know, th- you know they, they can get, you know, education uh, that's m- maybe further than that, that they would have gotten in college if they didn't go with a designation like the CPCU um, or, or, or something of that nature. I mean, there's just so much opportunity within our industry. And, and I see that as an opportunity for, for all walks of life. And, um, and, and it's one of the things that I love about the industry is, is, is that it is, you know, as a, as a job, it's really diverse. One moment I could be talking to a claims adjuster. The next moment I could be talking to an underwriter. Talking to those two people are like talking to, you know, two people from different countries. Um, you know, the next moment I could be talking to a customer wearing a completely different hat. It's one of the reasons why I think, and I think Quincy could probably agree with this, it's one of the hardest parts of being uh, an agency owner. It's the sheer number of, of, uh, of perspectives that we have to keep in mind. Uh, when we're when we're doing our jobs, who we're talking to, what their background is, you know, how, you know, what's the best uh, communication form to be able to, to to get through to that individual, try to get the job done in one way, shape, or form, or so on and so forth, or to make the sale, um, and, and and that's exactly what what I think DNI work is about. It's 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 about similar um, a, a similar track. It's about how do we make people communicate better how how can we help people because you can't make people do anything how do you help people communicate better how do we you know create bonds that allow people to ask questions that they may have but we're afraid to how do we create a a, a space where where folks feel that they can you know if 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 they happen to be you know uh uh homosexual and they you know that's part of their identity and that's who they they want to share that they feel that that's something that they can share without uh feeling like you know they don't belong in the room um and so you know it's it, you know there, there's so much opportunity in the insurance industry that um i think that uh it, it's it's a place for being able to bring so many folks into the fold
3: and when you think of diversity and inclusion i think regardless of the industry, one of the biggest things that has to be learned is it's not something you can fake. So it's either you're gonna go all the way through with it and you're gonna you know, definitely um, help in building a, a culture of diversity and inclusion within your organization or you're not, because you can't go halfway with it. And I say that because when you think of certain companies or certain companies that come to mind, even MGM, I'll, I'll start with them, They have a practice in which no matter who um, you are, whatever your ranking is within MGM, there's a word and I'm not gonna remember the word right now. I so wish I could remember it, but there's an African language word and essentially the word means, I see you, you matter. And they use that word in their training and their whole purpose in using that word is no matter as to if it's the housekeeper or the chief financial officer, when you pass someone in the hallway that works with you, you acknowledge them. And how little things like that on the front line, they play a huge role in further um, building that culture of diversity and inclusion. So all that to say, it starts from the the very, very bottom. When you think of American Express, when you think of Publix, when you think of the Ritz-Carlton, I go, when I go to those different places, I don't think I've ever thought of the fact that I'm the only African-American in the room because immediately there's an acceptance there that just feels genuine.
0: If, um, if you could kind of just look into the future, like this is kind of your life's work, you know, it's not your life's work, but I mean, this is something that you guys are obviously all passionate about and you, you're taking that leadership role within the industry to kind of make change. What does it look like, you know, 15, 20 years from now, you know, in a successfully included worlds or industry, I should say,
1: from your mouth to God's ears, if it can be in just 15 or 20 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel kind of bad. We're having this conversation right now, but let's hope it's,
1: well, I mean, it's, you know, change, change takes time. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and I don't think there's any other way to, to, to really create change other than to be consistent and persistent and, uh, and allow for time. Um, I mean, from my pers- my personal perspective, um, you know, a-, a world where, when when we walk into a room, we f- we don't we don't feel alone, an industry where we walk into a room and we don't feel alone for whatever for whatever that ends up meaning. Because a-, a lot of times, you know, and and I- we talked a little bit about this, Joey. Uh, you and I I've- at Elevate was you know, the, the, the need for our businesses to grow and have diversity of thought. So when, when we have this conversation, um, oftentimes it goes directly to kind of the, the culture shift. And, and so there's often, you know, from a business perspective, people ask, well, what's, what's you know, what, what is there to gain? And, um, and, and that diversity of thought is, is, uh, uh, is, is exactly what's to gain. And, and you can't do that unless there's actual diversity in the room. Um, because you know you can't, you know, what do they say? You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, if, if you don't have a, a, a diverse group of voices, uh, you know, helping make business decisions, then the business decisions are never going to grow beyond um, what they've always been or what they or, or you know or, or what they can be. So I guess in my perfect world is, is, is when we in, in in my perfect industry would be where we walked into a room we didn't feel alone and the diversity of thought was as such that we were we were truly growing our industry and our, and our independent agents were flourishing because of the change.
3: And I would go to say even in a spot where even the use of the word diversity is no longer a word that needs to be used in that it's everywhere. When we get to mm-hmm. that spot where we don't have to have a diversity council and a, a diversity task force or training sessions on diversity, that'll be interest. That will be when we've arrived, when we get to a spot where it feels uncomfortable for a white male to be in a room full of white males. And they're looking around like, what is going on here? Why, why are there so many of us in this room? I think that's when we know that we truly have done something and we truly have, have gotten to
2: a, a much better spot. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, and all the three of us has heard, all four of us probably heard this on this phone call in particular meetings when it says our industry is characterized by being pale, male, and stale. Um, <clears throat> and I think, Whitney, to your point exactly and to my comment I made earlier is that, you know, not only when we start to have a seat at the table, but when we start to have a voice. And when I say have a voice, I think Alex sort of alluded to when he talked about leadership, Um you know, if we're going to be intentional about certain things and, and bringing in different demographics of people, I think at some point, you know, your, 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 your visuals have to reflect really what's at your heart, you know, and, and as I say in the, in the Bible says, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, and Whitney said the best diversity, but we can stop using that word, and I think it was sort of put into some of the notes for today, when actions start speaking louder than words, you know, when I'm just being very candid, when we see people of color and our gender and our, you know, ethnicity and our sexual preference in positions of leadership within associations, you know, when we start to see it in marketing, when we start to see it in different things that's that space in place. So when people see it, they oh, OK, whoa, they're putting, you know, for lack of better word, they're putting their money where their mouth is, you know, so I, I think that's also the case. But then I'm also going to say this, though, on the back end. You know those same people of color, those same people of ethnicity, those same people of gender. You know, selection or sexual preference or whatever it is, we gotta be ready. You know, because at at the end of the day, how bad would it be, for you know, as <clears throat> just call it what it is. You know, the big eye to, you know, give Whitney, give Alex, or give myself a platform, and we don't u- we don't utilize it, or we don't show up, or we don't perform. You know, and then now either one, they gotta let us stay there out of, of tokenism or, you know, out of fear that, you know, they want going to get a backlash. Whereas if we're ready and we're truly wanting to go after the opportunity, you know, and that's why I applaud, you know, Whitney and Alex. And I, I truly do. I look up to them professionally, especially because they're in those positions and they're performing and what that performance does. It opens the door, you know, now that same association is not afraid to hire another Whitney dealer you know, because they know the Whitney dealer that preceded that person performed. You know, they're not afraid to give an Alex, you know, a position because they know the Alex before them performed. So, you know, it, it's those type of things that I think it's it, it, it's on both sides. But I think, again, it's, it goes back to being intentional, having a seat, but also having a voice and being intentional about it. And dispelling that whole pale, male and stale um, dis- misnomer.
3: And realizing that it's not per se easy and that it requires each and every one of us to be more inquisitive and casting that net further out so that we don't just grab the very first person of color that we see that's in the industry, but we make sure that we grab that person of color who is doing phenomenal stuff. And we've taken the time out to figure out who those individuals are, because I think oftentimes even when we and I, we will not go into tangent on this, when we think of affirmative action, though. People thought of it as a meeting quotas versus realizing that it's making sure that you have that individual who's at that same level of, of performing at a high level is able to get an opportunity to go through this door that they normally wouldn't have been able to get through because they're not a part of that particular circle of society of influence, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's something um, that just needs to we just have to do, continue to do our due diligence and getting the right people. When we look at minorities, when we look at people of color, um, when we look at women, um, LGBT, uh, LGBTQ community, that we're getting the right people, as Quincy said, so that they're the people that are actually showing up and not just fulfilling a quota.
1: And and just to to, to add on to to, to that, uh, uh, Quincy, you and I, we met a gentleman at um at the LAAIA convention. Who uh, was a part of a carrier, but he's he's a happened to be an African American. He he had a question about Naya. We were able to make uh introduce introduce him to Quincy and whatnot. And um, you know, he was telling a little bit about his story, and 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 he's been in in Florida for 26 years, was an agent for 13 of those years. Um and and uh you know Quincy and I had a Quincy and I had a little bit of a conversation of uh, you know, it's how how do we you know how do where do what can we do from not as Naya the big eye other affinity groups like you know the Chinese American groups women in insurance group the Latin American Association of Insurance Agents what can we do to make sure that when those people are here but maybe never raise their hands how where how do we get them those 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 right people um, to to raise their hands and just raise their voices so so that. Others can also see that 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 they're there, that they're welcome, that you know that it's not um, some secret or, or something um, more than that. Um, h- how do we get those voices lifted up and, and get and get those folks to want to raise their hand so that we can you know show visually, as as Quincy was saying, because there's so much goes into showing up. So much goes into, uh, there's so much need for being able to, to actually see action in place. And sometimes that is because some of the folks that we're talking about are in the industry, but their voices are never heard. Some part of the time because they're suppressed, but the whole other part of the time is because they don't want to raise their voice. They're concerned about what would happen if they did. How do we change that culture? And in an industry where that's less of a problem that, or that's not a problem at all, um, it's because those biases have, have been confronted, um, and, you know, that, that's what we're starting to, I think, head in, in, into a perfect world territory.
0: and this is going to be like my my last i don't know if it's necessarily a question but more of a statement and and the one thing that that's kind of just been coming back to me over and over again and and whitney kind of hit on it quite a bit uh, it's just in, in quincy too i think is that comfort of i think maybe everybody just hasn't done a good enough job making everyone feel comfortable enough to to Say what needs to be said, or, or whatever it is, right? I just, I think it's this comfort level that we haven't maybe established yet that we're kind of all looking for. We're uh, kind of afraid to talk about, maybe I don't know, but um, it just it seems like that's the thing. As as Alex was just kind of saying, that made it hit me, and I don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's just that's the one thing I'm, I know I'm going to walk away from like today with. It's how do we make everybody just feel a little more comfortable?
3: And it boils down to, I'll also say, is um, I've seen this diagram and I love it. So if we had a visual presentation right now, it's so make sure that we have this up is the iceberg diagram where you look or the visual, the iceberg visual, where you see an iceberg and on top of the water, it might be, it might be, let's say a foot high, but when you look underneath the water, it's, you know, 20 feet. So all that to say on top of the water, you see the exterior. So you see that I am African-American female and you see that I have, you know, brown eyes and curly hair, all that stuff. But all of those things underneath the water are oftentimes commonalities that we share, but because we never ever took the time to even address the external, we were never able to get deeper with that individual, learn more about that individual to see all the different commonalities. So although initially it's uncomfortable because you're different, exteriorly you look different, but then once we get past the exterior, we're able to actually learn all of the things in which we do have in common. May have gone to the same school, might both come from, you know, uh, being raised in a, a farm town or whatever the case may be, but it takes, it, it just requires taking the time and the initiative to get to know who that individual is past the exterior.